it's the hold on that's the sound of the nsa (laughs) hey podcast listener even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey know that today right now in your earbuds you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better more profitable location independent businesses If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Yeah, buddy. Happy Thursday morning. It's a Tropical MBA podcast. Many listeners don't know that it is actually Thursday morning. And (laughs) our podcast editor is the fastest editor on the planet. I'll tell you what, it's almost real time. It's almost a streaming show. Basically, I think that we should start doing a live (laughs) show. It's Wednesday evening for me because I'm in the States right now and Thursday morning for you. So last minute podcasting. Hey, tropicalmba.com slash voicemail. You can give us a call and get yourself on the show. Ian joked, it sounds like the NSA is in the background on this line, and they probably are. Hey, Bren gave us a call. Let's give – is that NSA thing confusing? No, no. It's the – all that. That's the sound of the NSA. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We can leave the shop talk into the episode. Why not? It it is a last-minute episode, so maybe a little bit less editing would get the show up quicker. We got a call from Bren Davis from SuccessfulDJ.com. What's up, Dan and Ian? This is Bren Davis. I have a website called SuccessfulDJ.com. What I'm interested in asking you guys about is the difference you guys see between success and failure. Everybody wants this location, freedom, all this stuff that the online business world promises, but a lot of people fail. A lot of people fail at entrepreneurship. I think we can all agree and we all see that. It's something everyone wants. It's something very few of us actually make work wondering what your guys' thoughts are on some of the commonalities between the people that succeed and the people that fail thanks a lot guys Ian, but first a quick news item i just want to let you know that the first tropical mba podcast then called the lifestyle business podcast was published on july 29th are you ready for this 2009, making your podcast career officially five years long, which makes you officially an old person. How do you feel about that? What happens at the five-year anniversary? Is that silver? Is that watches? I can't remember. I think when I was a teenager, I was always amazed at how my parents were always like, oh yeah, 10 years ago, me and your uncle, we went to like X place together. 15 years ago, we used to do X. And now that's me. And I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Now I can't even remember what I have for lunch. Ian, I think if... The four-hour work week was the Bible, so to speak. There's this great uh, post from Christine at almostfearless.com called A Brief History of Digital Nomading. And we'll link to that at this post if you don't want to go Google it for it. It's tropicalmba.com slash fail. She lays out the history of the digital nomad movement. I'm so glad she did it because I've been wanting to do it for a long time. And I just it's kind of a really hard task. And she did it. And she literally said, like, here's when Wi-Fi was invented. Here's when Skype was invented. Here's when like all these technologies that actually made this all possible. And I think that that's what we're going to talk about today is that like a lot of the reason why this is illegible or difficult to do or you're not going to get a lot of support from your peer group is that it just didn't exist 15 years ago. So everything that we were raised with, taught in school, it just does not apply in the same way. And we have to reevaluate all these things. And she identified four hour work week as kind of the awakening. It was kind of like across the culture, all these ideas were pulled together in one book and we all kind of read it and nodded our heads and said, yeah, we want that. And we see it as a real possibility. 
Yeah, it's, it's so interesting, Dan, that this movement has only been going on for a few years. Like you said, like such a brief history. I was on Reddit, like I generally am, and there's a digital nomad subreddit now. And that subreddit is very new and Reddit's been around for a long time. So it's like this stuff is just starting to pop off. Like people are just starting to understand these ideas that we've been talking about for several years. So really looking forward to more people commiserating with us, Dan, in the future. The four-hour work week is the Bible, Ian, of this movement. My aspiration would be for this to be like the Sunday school workbook. <laughs> but a little bit more evil, obviously. A little bit more evil, but yeah, we're like sort of the extension. So, I mean, I think that we have contributed to the ideas, you know, things like mini vacations in the book have turned to like baselining and hyper-globalized small business and five flags in our community. Things like VAs or sort of personal assistants have gone to work the system and strategic operating documents. We have new ways of developing niches like Rip, Pivot, and Jam. And I think like this idea of distributed teams, internships, apprenticeships, these are things that we've you know brought up in Sunday school classes that might not have been in the original text. So hopefully we could do more of that over the next couple of years. It's a super fast evolving scene. I think that's what's exciting about it. I mean, I'm sitting here in the middle of Bali right now, you know, near the volcano in a co-working space, literally with 35 other digital nomads rocking off 10 megs down internet straight pipe. It is crazy, Dan. And to think very few tools still exist for this community as well. We're kind of taking tools and repurposing them for our needs, but like very few people are like catering to this group of digital nomads. So excited to see who's going to come out with what kind of products in the next five years. All right, so will you succeed or fail as a digital nomad? Let's take up Bren's challenge and list four differentiators that we're seeing. All right, boss man, number one, you'll succeed if you're willing to hire, invest in your business, and otherwise take risks into what you've created. You know, Ian, one of the things about the people who are able to make this lifestyle work is they get out of that hamster wheel of time, money, time, money. I mean, we've met people that they're a little bit more digital and a little less nomad. You know what I mean? They might be living someplace cheap, but they might have been doing it for 10 years because they're still just a graphic designer or they're still just a X. And I do mean just because if you want to make digital nomading a reality for you in the long term, you have to sprinkle some entrepreneur into your graphic design pie. Right, right. It's the difference between being an owner, operator, entrepreneur versus being a graphic designer. Just like you said, if you're a graphic designer, chances are you're trading your time for your money. If you're an owner, maybe you're employing yourself to be a graphic designer part-time, but hopefully you've gotten to the point in your business where you can employ a better graphic designer than you and you can do this digital nomading entrepreneurship thing. If you don't have the systems in place to handle the inevitable off time that's going to happen while you're living your digital nomad lifestyle, you're going to conflate that lifestyle with stress and lack of growth in your business and downtime for your clients and all these terrible things that can just be solved by a dedicated, almost religious fanaticism towards systems and process in your business, which is what all businesses should be doing anyway. You know what the old school lazy system for this is? An office with a nice chair and your time. You don't need that if you're smart about your business. And by the way, when you're away from your business, these old school guys, they're all like, if you want to grow a real business, you got to be in there. If you want to do real business, that's crap. Like while you're away from your business and letting the systems run it, you can be meeting other interesting people. You can be doing cool 
things, you could be exercising. <laughs> you could be doing things that make your life better. And that's the point. I think I'm just a little bit scarred from the old school cigar smoking business guys who tell me that I got to be sitting in an office. Somewhere. You don't got to be sitting in an office, Dan. But I do think that some people will have an issue with this argument. If you really enjoy doing graphic design, like that's your straight passion when you want to sit on photoshop all day i got no beef with that man i think that that's great and you can do it from anywhere in the world now and all that but you do need to have systems and people in place to make that happen if your ideal day is spending four hours a day in photoshop my gosh get it done you know what i mean hire some people if you have the craftsman personality look you don't need the wi-fi's you can go anywhere and you can sit and you can do your craft what you need the the nice chair in the office for are to sit there and, and catch interruptions all day long it's to sit there and just to be the umpire the whole time right <laughs> it's not like people are saying that they need to build an office in order to focus more on their craft of graphic design or focus more on their writing no they want to go to an office so that they can stare at their over their employees shoulders all day long so that they can pick up the phone all day long right and these are things that you can build systems because they're repeatable things they're predictable we know what's going to happen you can predict them you can make a process you don't have to sit there and be the umpire that's right dan if i had to make a prediction i'd say offices are a thing of the past you know there was somebody in the dc the other day who said you know what is your experience with offices and we've kind of been yo-yo-y on that ian because there is always that feeling you know it's like it's yin and yang when you go out there and you have this distributed team you kind of always have this sense like man if i could just get everybody back in the office and then two days back in the office you're like man if i could just be out there back in the creative <laughs> <laughs> i think the answer to that and we do have an office in san diego where some of our employees worked in i'm not there a lot, but I do think that it works. Like if you got a group of people and they want to be in an office for whatever reason, they're your employees and they don't want to be digital nomads, then great. Set up an office. I think that there's some efficiency in that. If you've got a distributed team, I think the answer, Dan, is to have quarterly or maybe more often meetups for your teams where you can, you know, take a couple days work together, get on the same page, look each other in the eye, and then go off and do your thing. Totally agree. Number two, people are successful if they're willing to dedicate the time. Let's just get back to rice and beans here, boss man. Sometimes I just feel like, yes, you see all these wonderful things that you're going to get in your life. And I was listening to Sam Harris talk on Tim Ferriss's podcast. It's just been fabulous lately. And Sam Harris was talking about how long it takes to really understand the benefits of meditation. His answer was like, it's going to take you like three or four years or something. And I was just like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get into that. I can't. For years. But I mean, I think about all the important things that I've done in my life. And yeah, it does take time. And, and so, you know, if you've got a bunch of resources, if you're, say, a sales professional and people love you and you're a great leader, yeah, maybe to become a digital nomad, you could do it in one or two or three years. If you're a little bit shy or maybe you've never done business before, you don't have any really monetizable skill set, like you're not a developer. I mean, it could take 10 years. It's not a, it's not a ridiculous thing to think that you might have to be an apprentice for three or four years to learn how to become a developer. And it might take another one or two years, you know, during that whole process, you're working on your social skills consciously. It's like, hey, I know if I want to be an entrepreneur, I have to lead people. I have to persuade people. I have to do sales occasionally. It's crazy. I have to have high stakes conversations. All of these kind of meta skills, they can take years and years to develop. And I think you got to have all the more reason to do things that are fun and that you enjoy. I mean, most people just flat aren't willing to dedicate the time. Yeah. They want to be a dentist for 10 hours a day, come home, tinker around on the internet the same way that they might tinker around with their stock account. They want to tinker around with AdSense sites. It's just not going to work. 
Yeah, you you really do have to put in the time, Dan, but I think a lot of people can be scared about that. You know, I was reading a post from Jason Cohen over at A Smart Bear. He is a smart dude, and he is talking about the only way to succeed in a startup. The point that he hit on, and we'll link to this, is if you're not interested in the journey, you're going to be disappointed, basically. We're very interested in the journey, and we're very interested in business. Like Every day, Dan, I learn something new about business. I learn something new about how to interact with people. I learn something new about money, whatever it might be. I love the process, you know? And if you have this idea about an endpoint, you're probably going to fail. And that's what he points out, right? Is like if you have this idea of like what success looks like and if success is defined by an endpoint, you're going to fail. Because the chances of you actually getting there, I don't know. I guess it really depends on what your endpoint is. But if success for you, and I think this is the way that we define it, Dan, if success for you is defined by the journey, you'll be okay. Yeah, you know, that's that's interesting. You said it a little bit more eloquently. I think I was trying to touch on that in an article I wrote called The Retirement Hypothetical. And it's this idea of there's this kind of emotional comfort that you get in attaching yourself to an endpoint, but it's not really the reality. The reality is, is that you don't know where you're going to end up and you got to get comfortable with that. And if you are, if you're comfortable with the process, in other words, you're going to be willing to dedicate that time that it takes to get to those favorable endpoints. You know, there's a broad range of endpoints you're going to get to something interesting. Right. Like maybe call them like milestones or something like that. It's never an end game, you know, end games when you're in the ground. Yeah, you know, I was going to call this post because I wanted to like do this big epic thing for five years. And it's just, well, you know, it's just another Wednesday. Like the, the five year anniversary of the podcast turns out to be just another Wednesday. You know, it's not nothing that crazy. It's just we're doing business for another day. We're doing our craft. We're doing our thing. All right. Number three, willing to flip the paradigm. Digital nomadism in entrepreneurship is very far away from what you and I grew up with. You and I grew up in this environment that doesn't look anything like what we're participating in today. It doesn't even look like the normal entrepreneurship scripts, like go to San Francisco, get rich, go to Wall Street, make FU money. It doesn't look like that stuff. Not at all. Like, you know, if you knew the guy growing up that owned the furniture store down the street and like drove a nice Cadillac, we're like very far away from that guy. And that guy is an entrepreneur. I think like you have to get used to the fact that nobody's going to understand what you're doing because again, Nobody. this stuff is like five years old. <laughs> it's like in its infancy. So no one's going to understand what you're doing. And you're going to have to be comfortable doing things very differently than you probably did in the past. Yeah. And, and a lot of that is rewiring these prestige triggers. So this is something that, you know, even if you don't think you have a prestige consciousness, you probably do. You know, it's like when you go to China, you look at the guy who whips out like the gold plated cheesy cell phone and you're like, wow, that is so lame. And then you're like sipping on your yerba mate infused with some sustainable root grass thing. And you know what I mean? Like, so everybody's kind of got their thing that's like, hey, I'm cool because I'm doing in this. And, you know, one of the things, the, the fundamental tenets of the digital nomad movement and, and, and something that I always thought to be true when I read the four hour work week and thereafter was not quit your job and travel the world, but you can build wealth while you travel the world. That's what really blew me away about it. It wasn't like you can go and chill out in South Thailand. It was like, no, you can be a gangster and live like that. You know, remember when you did Gap Year? Remember when you went on that first adventure and your lifestyle was crazy and you were meeting new people and you defined your own schedule and owned your time? Now, in 2014, you can get wealthy doing that. That's the prestige trigger that attached me. And so now I look at someone with a gold-plated cell phone or with a Prius or with a house in San Marcos or with a Harvard t-shirt and I'm just like, cool, 
for you. Good for you. <laughs> don't care. And don't forget, Dan, like 50 years from now, like people are going to be scoffing at this digital nomad thing, right? There's going to be a new thing then, too. It's going to be like, oh, sure. that's prestige for you guys, traveling around the world, owning your own time. Yeah. How about I get in this spaceship and do something super cool? <laughs> Number four, you'll be successful if you're willing to build a peer group around your new practices. I think this is really important. You know, no man is an island. It could start to feel absurd when you're, you know, part of the fun of traveling is the absurdity that it makes you feel like, wow, this is so crazy. I'm here and stuff. And, and then when you start putting the business stuff into it, it gets even crazier. Like, whoa, I'm running team calls from here. But I think there's a danger, Ian, of constantly trying to translate your new life back to your old friends. You know, I'm not saying ditch your old friends. I'm saying you have to build a high-powered network around the practices that you're doing. They're the people that are going to keep you inspired, informed. They're the people that you're going to do business with. They're going to hook you up. Yeah, you got to be able to have a conversation with people that run similar businesses as you. I mean, we're all on the frontier here, Dan. Yeah. This stuff is very new. It's like, hey, I'm having this issue. I've got a distributed team across five different countries. 10 time zones, blah, 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 all this stuff. Like, how do you guys work it? You know, your buddy that owns the pizza shop in New Jersey, he's not going to be able to help you with that. Although he is an entrepreneur. I've seen it happen that people get out on the trail, you know, you just meet them at a cafe or something. They're like, wow, I'm a freelance writer and I've been doing this for four months. And like, all of a sudden it's kind of like they've defined kind of how they want to live their day that day, but it kind of runs out of steam, you know, because there's nowhere else to go because they haven't, you know, started investing in future relationships. So they kind of revert and it's okay if you want to revert, but I'm just saying, if you want to stick with it and do it for the rest of your life, you're going to have to focus on building relationships with people. And look, it's not rocket science. It's going to take some glucose. You got to put some energy into it. You can't just go drink a couple lattes and meet a high-powered network. I mean, you got to make it part of the process. It's like the businesses that go to Craigslist and put a crappy job ad up and then they groan about the fact that they just get average candidates just like everybody else. If you want to have great people applying to your company, you got to have a great process around that. You got to invest in it. It's 101 stuff, but sometimes we don't apply these kinds of ROI value kind of things when it comes to our life. If you want high value relationships, you got to invest a lot into that. And I think it's essential, absolutely essential. It was the game changer for us. So that's the point we'll leave you on. You know, Dan, one thing I'm looking forward to with this new movement is this idea. Like, I feel like you and I, we still get a little flack from the old school business dudes. I think the old school business dudes, in a lot of ways, like there's a lot more of them making a lot more money. I think that that's true, but I don't think that that's going to be true for very long. So like one of the criticisms I get is like, oh yeah, you guys are like making good money, but like you could make so much more if you just, you know, stuck to it the old school way. But like, I'm really looking forward to that becoming a thing of the past because I feel like that's one of the things that like we get beat up for a lot Yes, is you guys are like losing out on this income. And while I feel like that's true in the short term, we are losing out on some income. We're making still really good money and we're able to afford this lifestyle and this travel thing. So I'm really looking forward to it. I think there's so many interesting things there. We'd love to hear your comments on that. This one's at tropicalmba.com slash fail. Do people think you're failing because you're a digital nomad and you're not sitting in an office barking on two phones at one time and a Bluetooth? <laughs> Boss man, we got to get out of here. This room is so hot, man. It's hot. <laughs> All right, real quick before we go, rap and reviews. Caller asked to play a little bit more mainstream rap. I understand that. Don't necessarily agree with it, but this is one of my favorite tracks. Sir Mix A Lot, Baby Got Bat. Gross. Look. She just so. Wow. I like big books and I cannot lie.
Five stars. Great for those seeking location independence. Nate the Wonder, my dog, says it's appropriate that Dan starts every episode by saying, yeah, buddy, because I feel like these guys are my buddies. They give real, actionable advice to entrepreneurs and those looking to become entrepreneurs. Their ease with their subjects and delivery come across, plus they have a, a great taste in old school hip hop. But not today. Highly recommended. Thanks, Nate Dog. Awesome. Taylor Pearson from the United States. Wow, we know Taylor. Sponsored by awesome. you. How did it take you two years to come around and write a review <laughs> oh, geez, for us? Buddy. Jeez, buddy, we've been hanging out forever, but I do appreciate it. <laughs> I was walking down a broken sidewalk in Brazil on my way back to an English teaching job, and I hated and I heard Dan's voice ringing in my ears. The common denominator in all of your problems is you. Ouch. I remember that episode, the drama denominator. That yeah. was over two years ago. Since that, Dan and Ian's No BS Straight Talk inspired me to get real, move in with my parents. Awesome. Cold email marketing agencies for a job, quit the job, move to Thailand, sell portable bars, <laughs> move to Vietnam, and make cold calls. This podcast has helped me do exactly what they promised, create freedom and wealth in my life and the lives of those I love around me. And it's not bad for listening to existential crisis either. That's funny. They've been in my head at every major turning point in my life, and I couldn't be more grateful. TLDR, do the work, have fun, do it again. Taylor, thank you so much yeah. for, number one, working with us and putting up with us for the last couple of years and the review. TaylorPearson.me, one of my favorite blogs, and, and that do the work, have fun, do it again mantra is at the bottom of every post that we put up. And the idea is just this, believe in the process, stick to the process. And we got one quick phone call, Ian. Hey, just calling with some gratitude. Just signed up for your podcast today. First one I listened to was number 246. And God, I wish I would have heard that last year. I had to learn the hard way about getting stuck into somebody else's life online, following their path, thinking I could do the same thing. Thanks again. I have tons of things to listen to now, so safe travels to you. All right, guys, we'll be back next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Again, this one's at tropicalmba.com slash fail. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.